Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Monday, August 5th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, O'Rourke reacts to domestic terrorism in his hometown, a little math on what drives mass shootings, Ryan reacts to shootings in his home state, and one more Texas Republican announces his retirement. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. Our first story today, horribly, is about the mass shooting in El Paso, Texas. It is being investigated as an act of domestic terrorism because the shooter allegedly published a manifesto before the attack, making his intent clear. Not only did that manifesto lay out the murderer's specific interest in killing people of Mexican descent, it also talked about the Democratic Party itself and even the first Democratic debates. So guess what? This is Election Ride Home News, and we are talking about this. We happen to have in this primary field a candidate who is actually from El Paso, Texas. That is, of course, former Representative Beto O'Rourke. After the shooting, he left the campaign trail and headed straight for El Paso. While he was on the plane to El Paso, he met the son of one of the women who was shot in the chest. That guy was heading home to try to take care of his mom. At that man's request, O'Rourke went with him to the hospital and met his mother, Rosemary, who had two punctured lungs. There, O'Rourke learned that Rosemary's mother had also been shot in the stomach in the same mass shooting. She provided first aid to others on the scene before she collapsed. Oh, and then there was Rosemary's sister, who was also shot. The reason we know all this is that O'Rourke told the story at a vigil in El Paso on Sunday evening as the sun was setting. He also spoke of the Walmart worker he met who had been standing in line for hours waiting to give blood just so he could do something. So I think it's important that we listen to some of what O'Rourke has said about this. He's from that city, he's there now, and he is speaking up. Okay, our first clip is brief, and although I don't have full audio of the question he was asked before he said this response, this is the text of the question. Quote, Is there anything in your mind that the president can do now to make this any better? End quote. Listen to his response. He's he's been calling Mexican immigrants rapists and criminals. Um, I I don't know, like, members of the press, what the f***? Hold on a second. You know, it's it's these... um, it's these questions that you know the answers to. I mean, connect the dots about what he's been doing in this country. Um, he's not tolerating racism. He is promoting racism. He's not tolerating violence. He's inciting racism and violence in this country. Now, for context, that came after the vigil when O'Rourke was trying to find his wife and get to his car and was stopped by the reporter. So let's rewind to that vigil where he gave a 13-minute speech. There's a link to that in the show notes. And here's a bit of audio from O'Rourke as he wraps up that speech. And I want you to note that he is explicitly calling for specific gun control policies here and note the audience reaction to that. Listen in. I am so proud of El Paso at this moment, a community that will not be defined by the murders that we saw yesterday but instead in the way that we choose to overcome them, define ourselves by our love, our courage, our confidence, and our strength in the face of this weakness and fear and intolerance, and the example that we will provide to the rest of the country. That our differences are not dangerous, they do not define us, they will not divide us, that once and for all we will choose to come together and ensure that every single American can live to their full potential and they will look to us here in El Paso for the example. Are you ready to provide that? Yeah. We must 
let's do this. Let's keep every single one of those families in our prayers. Let's continue to share the story of El Paso and Ciudad Juarez and this binational community with the rest of the world. And then let's listen to Manuel and Patricia, who remind us that in addition to the racism and the hatred and the fear and the intolerance, we are a country that has accepted thus far 40,000 gun deaths every single year. No other country comes close, and we know the solutions. Universal background checks where we close every single loophole. An end to the sale of assault weapons in making sure that we adopt red flag laws so that anyone who poses a danger to themselves or to someone else, someone in your life or their lives is stopped before it is too late. And here's one last clip from O'Rourke from an appearance this morning on MSNBC's Morning Joe. In this one, there is an audio dropout in the middle, and I'll just prepare you for that now. The word that drops out is racism. Listen in. I mean, the president has not been shy. He's not been saying this behind closed doors. This is out in the open. You know, all people of one religion inherently defective and should be banned from the shores of this country. The only modern Western democracy that I can think of that said anything close to this is the Third Reich, uh, Nazi Germany. Um, talking about human beings as though they are animals, making them subhuman to make it okay to put their kids in cages. We, we've lost seven children in our custody just over the last year in this, the wealthiest, the most powerful country on the face of the planet, saying that he wants more immigrants like those from Nordic countries, the whitest places on the face uh, of the planet. Um, this president, his, his open is also an invitation to violence. We've seen a rise in hate crimes every single one of the last three years. So, Joe, you're, you're absolutely right. The writing has been on the wall since his maiden speech coming down that escalator describing That's Mexican right. immigrants as rapists and criminals. Uh, the, the actions that follow cannot surprise us. And, and anyone who is surprised um, is, is part of this problem right now, including members of the media who ask, hey, Beto, do you think the president is racist? Well, Jesus Christ, of course he's racist. He's been racist from day one before day one when he was questioning whether Barack Correct. Obama was born in the United States. He's trafficked in this stuff from, from the very beginning. And, and we are reaping right now what he has sown and what his supporters in Congress have sown. We have to put a stop to it. Okay, so let's stop the clips and look at the broader landscape. A statement that comes to mind for me at this moment is from Howard Zinn, who wrote a book called You Can't Be Neutral on a Moving Train. What that means, metaphorically, is that as society moves, that's the train, someone is the conductor, and you can tell where the train is going. You can tell whether that place is broadly where you want to go. Now, you can choose to stay on that train. You can choose to jump off the train. You can choose to try to stop the train or redirect where it's going. But right now, simply to remain neutral is not a morally defensible option because you will end up where that train is going, and that is a place of yet more carnage. O'Rourke, it appears, has decided to stop the train. Again, in the big picture. Right now, today, Congress is in recess. They're not going to do anything about this. 
Senator Chuck Schumer, the Democratic minority leader in the Senate, has called for an emergency session of the Senate, but that would require the agreement of Senator Mitch McConnell, who is the Republican majority leader. McConnell has been happily sitting in first class on this train for quite a while now. I do hope that his heart changes. I would love to see an emergency session. I would love to see the Senate do its job. Those are hopes, though. They're not actions. The newly Democratic House has already passed two bills this session dealing with background checks for guns, which could be approved in the Senate with a simple majority vote now, today. And are they going to do that? No. Why do I say that? Because they've already had this opportunity dozens of times, and every single time they sit quietly in their seats on the train, sometimes writing letters of condolence, but mainly just sitting there. The last time we really tried to deal with this was the bipartisan Toomey-Mansion bill, which would have expanded background checks. And how did that turn out? Well, back in 2013, it was blocked by a Republican filibuster in the Senate. And it's not like that was an era of no mass shootings. It was the year after Sandy Hook. As I read this, President Trump just made a statement condemning white supremacy and mentioning yet another mass shooting that happened this weekend in Dayton, Ohio. But Trump misspoke and said it was Toledo. But you know what? Who cares? That's a distraction and it is immaterial to the problem at hand. Trump also blamed violent video games and the internet for this violence. More on that later in the show, because that BS is relevant to this discussion. Look, O'Rourke is right when he says to connect the dots. This president has had ample opportunity to deal with this issue specifically during his presidency, and he's been driving the train for more than two and a half years now, much of that with complete control of both chambers of Congress. And did he do anything? No. He just kept driving that godforsaken train straight to what happened in El Paso. In fact, in tweets this morning, the president called for combining gun control legislation with immigration reform legislation. He wants those two things, which are two things we cannot get passed through this Senate individually, to be tied together, to be married, in his words, so they can go ahead and not pass together. And this all just keeps happening, and everybody shrugs their shoulders and says, well, we tried. What can you do? You know, I'll tell you what you can do. You have to choose. You have to do it today. You have to decide whether you're going to stay on this train or whether you're going to go out there and do the work required to stop it. We have a path here. We can stop this train. We can then steer it in a direction of justice and safety. The way to do that, given our system of government, is to peacefully vote out this president a year from November, put sane people in the Senate, and I don't care what party they're from as long as they give a damn about human lives. Then we pass legislation that will actually make a difference. Look, I urge you, do not stay neutral. You're on the train and you've got to choose.
The Election Ride Home is sponsored by a terrific podcast called The Meb Faber Show. The Wall Street Journal named it one of the top five investing podcasts you should not miss. If you're looking to learn from the brightest minds in finance or you just want to know more about investing in a casual, fun interview format, this show is a must listen. The show is hosted by Meb Faber, who is CEO of Cambria Investments and an award-winning ETF manager. The goal of his show is to help you grow and preserve your wealth by giving you new investing insights and ideas. So check out the Meb Faber Show wherever you enjoy your podcast. That's Meb, M-E-B, Faber, F-A-B-E-R. You don't want to miss it. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, let's talk for just a moment about what drives mass shootings. We heard the president speak this morning about mental health and violent video games and a variety of other stuff as drivers of mass shootings. All right, well, is there data to back that up? In a word, no, but I think you saw that one coming. The good news is there is overwhelming data on what does drive mass shootings. This morning, Adam Grant, a psychologist from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, wrote a simple tweet. Quote, the rate of mass shootings is not a function of mental health problems, video games, racial diversity, or violence and crime. It's a function of access to guns. And 130 studies across 10 countries show that gun safety legislation reduces deaths. End quote. He also linked to a 2017 article in the New York Times, which includes a variety of rather astonishing graphs showing the radical outlier that is the U.S. Reading from that article by Max Fisher and Josh Keller, quote, Americans make up about 4.4% of the global population, but own 42% of the world's guns. From 1966 to 2012, 31% of the gunmen in mass shootings worldwide were American, according to a 2015 study by Adam Lankford, a professor at the University of Alabama. Adjusted for population, only Yemen has a higher rate of mass shootings among countries with more than 10 million people, a distinction Mr. Langford urged to avoid outliers. Yemen has the world's second highest rate of gun ownership after the United States. Worldwide, Mr. Langford found a country's rate of gun ownership correlated with the odds it would experience a mass shooting. This relationship held, even when he excluded the United States, indicating that it could not be explained by some other factor particular to his home country. And it held when he controlled for homicide rates, suggesting that mass shootings were better explained by a society's access to guns than by its baseline level of violence. End quote. Now, the remainder of the article continues to get into specifics on mental health, violent video games, and so on, but the essential point here is that if you would like some actual math and research and data about whether gun control would actually reduce mass shootings versus, you know, say, changing violent media or improving mental health care, there is an article in the show notes from The Times with some pretty good data. (music) 
As I mentioned earlier, the mass shooting in El Paso wasn't the only one this weekend. There was also a shooting in Dayton, Ohio, in which a 24-year-old man, armed with an AR-15-style assault rifle with a 100-round drum magazine, managed to kill nine people in about one minute. One of those he killed was his sister. The murderer left his shotgun in the car and had spare ammo with him, but did not live to use either. Police were already present in the area at the time, and it took them about 20 seconds after the shooting began to reach the area. They managed to kill the shooter quickly, despite the fact that he was wearing body armor. It's unclear what that shooter's specific motive was, and until there is some sense of that, it is not being investigated as an incident of domestic terrorism, unlike the El Paso shooting. It is, obviously, a mass shooting, and one that was enabled by access both to an assault rifle and a high-capacity magazine. Again, we have yet another candidate in this field who is from the affected area, though not the specific city. Representative Tim Ryan represents Ohio's 13th, which is across the state from Dayton, but still, he's an Ohio guy, and Ohio is not exactly the world's biggest state geographically. Ryan appeared on Fox News this morning, and I want to play a clip here from that appearance. Note that the very first words, the words are the president, are slightly cut off in the source audio here, but it's fine after that and it makes sense. So listen in. President of the United States, the most powerful person in the world, has to set a high standard. And, and he's not, you know, by saying these guys should go back to their countries wh where they came from. I mean, that, that type of, of toxicity is now permeated the entire country to where some jackass in Texas drives 10 hours to go shoot Mexicans. Yeah. I mean, come on. But, but, that, that, the president has a higher responsibility than the one he's executing today. He, the president, more than anything, Maria, and you know this, you've mm. been covering it for a long time. The president is a cultural figure. Yeah. More than anything. Anything. And you set the cultural tone of the country. We're either going to go to the moon or we're going to tell people to go back to the country they came from. Now, for context, when Ryan mentions that long drive, he is referring to the other mass shooting. That's a reference to how the shooter in Texas apparently drove from a Dallas suburb roughly 600 miles to El Paso, presumably to get closer to the border. I want to reflect for a moment on the fact that the Democratic presidential primary field is so large that given two major mass shootings, we actually have one candidate from the city in which one of them occurred, another from the state, that's Julian Castro, and another from the state in which the other shooting occurred. What do we make of that, though? Do we say, oh, this is such a huge field, it's inevitable? Well, you know, I don't think so. I think, instead, we say that mass shootings are so common and so widely distributed in our country that we just happen to have three people running for president whose communities are directly affected by these incidents. Last up today, a quick one. Texas Representative Kenny Marchant announced today that he will retire after completing his current term in the House. That makes him the fourth Texas Republican House member to retire in the upcoming cycle. The overall count of Republicans who will either retire or seek a different office in 2020 is now 11. Like I said last week when Will Hurd announced his retirement, this is just going to keep happening as candidates from both parties in vulnerable seats decide not to engage in the 2020 election. I should also mention there is a broad call today for O'Rourke to drop his presidential bid and immediately challenge John Cornyn for his Senate seat in Texas. While I have not heard O'Rourke directly comment on that idea, it is kind of reasonable given where he stands in the overall presidential race. 
meaning I think it is vastly more likely that he would win that Senate seat than the presidency. Then again, I really don't think O'Rourke is sitting around today plotting a political strategy for the next six months. I really do think he is out there in his community trying to figure out how to help. And look, whether O'Rourke wants that Senate seat or whether he feels he can do more running for national office, that's a whole different question, and it is up to him what he wants to do. But the larger theme emerging here, aside from, you know, the shootings, is that Texas is rapidly changing. Texas is purple now, and it might turn blue sooner than you would think. Well, that is it for one more episode of The Election Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. Now look, I know today's show has been a bit more direct and somber than what we usually do, but like I said, I have a strong position on this issue. I believe there is a clear truth here, and I refuse to give cover to those who deny that truth. And I'm not going to smooth it out in this outro segment either. This hurts. It hurts me. This is not okay. I'm not okay with it. And I don't want this to keep happening in my country. I'm going to continue to sit with this and reflect on it. And I'm going to take action. Good night, and may peace be with you. (laughs) 